Good morning. Good morning, church family. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being with us. To our guests that have joined us this morning, thank you for joining us as well. we got some more folks that are going to be coming in over the next few minutes, and we're going to be excited to worship with them too. For those of you who are joining us online, thank you for clicking on and joining us for worship this morning. I hope you, uh, wherever you're, you're at, I hope that uh, you feel like you can engage in worship with us today. We're excited to have you. For those of you here in the room, I need to let you know about a few things before we get started with our worship this morning. Uh, first of all, in every other chair that we have uh, in, the, in the worship center here, we have a bulletin available. And uh, we'd like for every family to take one of these. And when you open it up, you find out a lot of information about things that are going on with our church family this week and over the next few weeks. Some things to put on your calendars that we want you to be aware of and, and uh, plan to be a part of. And also invite other people to be a part of as well. So I want to make sure that you see this. Make sure you get one uh, and, and know what's going on with us. Now, a couple things. If you're one of our guests today, especially want you to see this QR code that's up here in this uh, top right corner. And if you would take time right now to get your phone out and click on that QR code, that will bring up a form that will uh, allow you to share with us just some of your contact information. And we'd like for you to do that for us if you would. And we're, we're going to promise not to bombard you with texts and emails or come, come uh, bang on the door of your house. Uh, but we, do, we might want to just send you a note to say thank you for coming. Maybe ask you if you have any questions about our church family. And just to know who you are and where you've come from. So please take the time to do that. It won't take but a few seconds to do it. If you'll do that right now. Uh, we would appreciate your help with that. I also want our church family to see um, we now have a process in place for how we're going to uh, get uh, Christmas gifts together for the Ridgeview Boys Home. And that information is here in, in this section about um, our family news. And there's a QR code to help sign up to be a part of that process. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure you take advantage of that today. So I want to make sure that you guys um, saw those two things. We will be taking community together, together this morning. When that time comes, we'll have our uh, communion prayer, some you know thoughts and a prayer. And then when it's time to take communion, you should have a communion cup on your chair. And if you peel off the first lid, you get the wafer and peel off the second lid and drink the juice. And that's how we'll take communion together this morning. And uh, we'll help get these thrown away um, afterwards. I also want to remind our church family, we'll be taking up an offering today. You can do that online. Uh, you can do that uh, with our text to give um, application that we have. Or we do have baskets out in our lobby if you'd like to leave cash or check with us. Uh, we'll have baskets available in the lobby as you leave today to take care of that. So I want you to be aware of that. Last thing I'll let you know about is, is with our kids. If you got kids with you this morning, we have child care available uh, for our third grade and younger. So if you have any kids in that age, um, from third graders all the way down to our little babies, uh, we have child care available in our children's center for you guys at any time during our worship service this morning. You can go take advantage of that right now. Maybe later on this morning when we're singing together, maybe when we're spending time on the Word together and you want to take your kids to our children's center, we got volunteers ready all morning long to take care of your kids while you continue to engage and worship with us. So feel free to take advantage of that if you'd like to. If you want to keep your kids with you, you're more than welcome to do that. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, but if it would help, we have activity bags available uh, for our kids that are staying here in the worship center with us. And those are on a table right across the lobby from, from this door right here. So if you go out the door right across the lobby, you'll see some activity bags with coloring sheets and other things in there for our kids. And you're welcome to get one of those for your child uh, if that would help you. I think that's all the, the, the housekeeping things I need to take care of this morning. I'm excited to be worshiping with you. As I said, we got some more folks that will be coming in over the next few minutes and worshiping with us as well. 
it's just an awesome time of year to be celebrating, being together as a church family, celebrating our, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and uh, to recognize what that means for us and what that means for our community and our world. And that's what we're going to be doing together today. So all of our songs together, our time in the Word together is going to be focused on just celebrating the fact that God came into our world. And I hope that's what... Um, what you're able to focus on this morning, and I hope it's a message that you find a way to take to other people uh, at your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, wherever you are this week, that we can share this message of a loving God that came here to be with us. So let's pray together uh, and ask God to bless our time of worship this morning, and then we'll have a quick video just to get our hearts and our minds ready to worship, and then our praise team will begin to lead us in song. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had uh, to come here together, to, to get online uh, with this church family and choose to take some time to worship you. Lord, there's a lot of things going on this time of year. There's a lot of things that um, fill our schedules and, and, and um, battle for our focus. And I pray that, that this morning, God, we can remove all distractions and we can focus on being here in your presence together today. So I pray that you take over our worship, that we feel your spirit in this place as we sing to you, as we pray to you, as we celebrate the grace we have because of the sacrifice of your son, as we remind ourselves of what, how blessed we are that you put on flesh and blood and came here to be in our world. God, I, I pray that we see you, that we hear you today. And Lord, especially for those uh, who have, have come here this morning or who have gotten online with us this morning that are, that are struggling. Uh, whether it's, it's some sin in their lives, whether it's just uh, some emotional struggles that they're going through, whether there's hurt and pain that they're dealing with, whether there's some things that they're fearing and, and stressed about and feeling overwhelmed about, whatever those burdens are, God, I pray that, that we can not only acknowledge the struggle, but that we can be willing to, to give those things to you today, to recognize that you're going to heal those hurts, that you're going to take those problems away from us because you love us that much. So I pray that that's what happens during our worship together this morning. We give this morning to you. We ask that you help us to praise your name and to feel you in this place as we worship. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Blackstone. Hey, let's stand and sing today. We waited for this day. We gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. Your love is with you. Your love is with you. 
to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you.
morning. Uh, Marsh will be talking about Emmanuel this morning. Uh, I want to start off reading this verse. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The message translation of John 1.14 is the Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Emmanuel literally means just that, God with us. He's our neighbor. He has moved into our neighborhood. He is with us and right beside us. The message um, says that he was and is uh, not afraid of us and to live among us in our worst of days. He's with us in the best of days and the worst of days. Um, so uh, the, the bread and the juice represent the sacrifice that he went through to live with us and among us. Will you pray with me? Dear our Father, I want to thank you for choosing the way that was not easy. Thank you for choosing to live with us and dying for us and forgiving us for our sins. And please speak through Marshall this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. stand for the song before the sermon. Christ is 
be seated. First things first this morning, I want to know, and uh, I'll, I'll let you guys share with each other first, and uh, I, would, uh, I want to invite anyone who's watching online to put your answers in the comments, so uh, get ready for that, or I, take out your phones and put them in the comments on our Facebook or YouTube uh, channel if you want to. Um, I want to know who is the most famous person that you have ever actually met. Uh, you know, maybe just been introduced to, or you know, maybe got uh, a picture with, but you actually maybe even had like a five-second conversation with. But who's the most famous person that you have ever actually met? Just tell somebody next to you real quick on your mark and set go. Now, it sounds like there's a bunch of you who have met a bunch of famous people. So, somebody share with me. Just call it out. Who, who have you actually met? You met Santa Claus. Wow. Mr. T, who said that? That's awesome. Who? Dan Aykroyd? Oh, man, I'm jealous of that, too. Anybody else? Tom Brady. Did you actually meet Tom Brady? Wow. You're not a Tom Brady fan, though. Okay. Did you tell him that? Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Bob Barker, Steve Perry. Wow. Did he sing Oh, Sherry for you? I mean, that's, that would have been, the, or I guess, Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Anybody else? Bob Dole. What? George Bush. Which one? W. All right. There was a time, I think I told this church family a long time ago, uh, my senior year of high school, I uh, shook hands with who at that time was the governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton. And, you know, we sat and talked for about a half hour. I'm totally kidding. It was a whole long line of people, and I shook hands and took a picture and moved on down the line. That's probably the most famous celebrity I can think of that I actually ever, ever met. There's a story that, that uh, just went viral online this week about this couple that sat next to Drake uh, at the Oklahoma Thunder basketball game. Did y'all hear about this? This couple is now known as the old couple next to Drake. That's like become their their moniker now. And they're not just like ancient old people, but they were sitting on the front row uh, of this NBA game, and Drake sits down next to him, and you know, a camera crew comes up and starts you know uh, filming him. And people are taking pictures, and the the couple leans over to him and like, "Are you famous?" And and that's what the man said, and the wife was like, who are you? And then they had this whole conversation. They ended up just enjoying the game together, and uh, he, uh, he enjoyed visiting with them and asked them at the end of the game if he could take a selfie with them, and they said, yeah, as long as you caption it, uh, these are my new parents, which is what he did. He took a selfie and then posted it as my new parents, and it was, it was awesome. Um, maybe you heard about, you mentioned uh, uh, Tom Brady, maybe you heard about the story of the high school kids last week that got on the FaceTime call with the Buccaneers by accident and ended up having like a 10-minute conversation with uh, Leonard Fournette and different players in the Buccaneers locker room, and they kept waiting until finally Tom Brady got on camera, and these high school kids were having this conversation with Tom Brady, just this amazing thing that they got to do. Um, my wife has a picture of her and 
Now, this may not be world famous, but at least as far as Arkansas folks are concerned, her and, and Coach Eric Musselman, our, our uh, Arkansas basketball coach. And I say she got a picture with him. We were in line uh, for the concession stand at the football game, and he came walking by. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, Coach Muss. And there are some people standing, I think, behind us in line. They're like, hey, Coach, can you get a picture with you real quick? And he's like, I mean, he's moving on. He's like, sure. And he stops. And he's getting a picture with these guys, and so they're behind us. So Christy just takes her phone, and she basically photobombs this guy a picture with her, and 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 she, you know, labeled it on my, my BFF, Coach Muss. That's you know, that's. So now, if if ever she sees Coach Musselman when he's down on the sideline, she's like, "Hey, it's Christy. Remember me?" You know, we we had these moments in life where we get to meet these really famous people. And I think it's really cool that, you know, Drake took the time to, to actually get to know this couple sitting next to him in a basketball game. I think it's really cool that these NFL players took 10 or 15 minutes to engage with some high school kids um, across the country. And maybe you've got, you know, I don't know how long the, the interaction with Dan Aykroyd was. I don't know how long you got to sit with, you know, George Bush. But, but we have these moments that seem impressive to us because we get to spend time with this, this celebrity, this famous person. And while those moments are really cool and really impressive and it makes for good memories and it makes for, you know, kind of even stuff that we can kind of brag about it a little bit to other people, I want us to discover together this morning a much more personal connection that all of us have the potential um, to have access to. And I want us to think about that as we're reminded of the series that we started last week, Believe. Choosing to believe, discovering life-changing faith. And maybe for some of us, it's rediscovering you know, life-changing faith, specifically as we look at the story of the birth of Jesus. And trying to look at it with, with fresh eyes and trying to look at, at the story that, that, we've, that many of us have heard all of our lives. And, and trying to, to look at it again with, with no preconceived ideas and no filters and trying to see it for what it what it really is, and, and hopefully choosing to believe, some of us for the very first time, some of us choosing, making that choice to believe once again, that Jesus really came to this earth the way Scripture says that he did. That he really came into our world. And, and I want us to be reminded of that uh, again this morning. We mentioned the story last week. You can, you've already probably seen it, uh, you know, reenacted in some form or fashion on TV or maybe you've seen a play recently or something that, that talks about the birth of Jesus. But if you want to look it up in Scripture, it's in Matthew uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and it's in uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2 uh, as well. And we're not going to look at all the verses, but just to remind you, you got this young couple, Joseph and Mary, they're engaged to each other. Mary finds out, uh, she's told by an angel that she's going to become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be the Savior of the world. And I can't even fathom what receiving that kind of news would be like for her. But she becomes pregnant, and then Joseph finds out that his fiance is pregnant, and he knows it's not his, and so there's this whole scandal where he's wanting to, to end this relationship and be done, not in a mean way, but just uh, why would I want to be married to this person who is having somebody else's child? And an angel comes and tells him, no, 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 this is the way it's supposed to be. This came on her by the Holy Spirit. You guys are going to raise the Son of God. Again, I can't imagine the kind of faith it would take to accept that responsibility. 
But Joseph marries Mary, and they, uh, they continue to live together until it's time for the baby to be born. They, they travel to the city of the, the small town of Bethlehem. They get there, and there's no place for them to stay. There's no room for them anywhere, and, and it's time for her to deliver this baby, and they're basically in a barn where all these farm animals are, and she gives birth to the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, probably laying on a pile of hay in a smelly stable. And they wrap him, this new baby, in some cloths, and they lay him in a feeding trough. And that's how the king of all kings came into our world. That's how he made his entrance. And as we said last week, in that moment when you see this this newborn baby lying in this feeding trough, there's, there's more happening here than just this poor Jewish couple having this new baby under somewhat questionable circumstances. Mankind's sin had caused him to become disconnected from God. That started all the way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve when they made a choice to do their own thing instead of doing what God called them to do. And and generation after generation, century after century, we have been repeating that over and over again. We know the good things we're supposed to do. We are designed by God to do the things that he's called us to do. And we constantly choose something else instead. We constantly hurt him. We constantly disobey him. We constantly say we'll never do the things that he doesn't want us to do ever again. And we go running right back to him again. We all do it. And that sin in our lives, that disobedience, sometimes when we're not even trying and sometimes when it's a conscious decision, I want to do what I want to do, however you want to label it, it's sin and it disconnects us from God. There's a distance there now. He can't be around sin. He can't be around sinners. It's against his nature. He can't tolerate it. But he didn't want to leave us that way. He didn't want to stay disconnected from us. He didn't want the final chapter of our lives to be death and separation from him. So he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to this world. And as Dawson already helped us remember this morning when we took communion together, he sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for us, to take all of that sin, all of those mistakes, all those failures, all those things that we're ashamed of, all the guilt associated with them, and nail them to the cross. Be done with them so that we don't have to deal with them anymore. That's why he came. But in this moment, when we see the baby Jesus lying in the manger, we recognize that it's, it's God coming near to us again. After century upon century upon century of God being disconnected from his people, getting close sometimes, being sometimes in a cloud, being sometimes on a mountain, being sometimes behind a curtain, but never, never with us, never intimately connected with us over all that time until this moment. When Jesus comes into our world and, and God comes to be connected with us once again, God re-enters our world. He becomes like us. And that's, that's what I want us to focus on this morning. It is really neat to shake hands and sit down with and take a picture with a really famous person. But folks, we have the opportunity to have an intimate connection with the Lord of Lords. And that's an awesome thing. And it's available to all of us. 
That's what Matthew says in, in Matthew chapter 1. After he's described the whole, the whole story, the whole process of Mary and Joseph and, and how all this came to be. He says in, in Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 and 23, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, that word Emmanuel, that's, that's a Jewish name. And in, in the Jewish language, that's what that word means, God with us. And so Matthew wants to make sure that whoever's reading this, if it's somebody that that's, uh, doesn't know anything about Jesus, but they come from a Jewish background, they hear that name Emmanuel, they know that means God with us, he wants to make sure that they understand that's applied to Jesus. For those who don't have a Jewish background, don't know anything about the meaning of names, he wants people to understand that when, when God says, this is my son, but this is my son's name, I mean, we call him Jesus because he's the Savior of the world, but we call him Emmanuel because he's God with us. It's more than just getting close to a celebrity. It's more than just being able to take a selfie and sit with a famous person. The creator of the universe came right here to be with us. Almighty God chose to enter our world and to meet us where we are. And honestly, that wasn't just a one-time thing. We don't... I want us to be amazed by that part of the story of the birth of Jesus, but I want us to recognize that wasn't the only time that, that God came near. This, this Emmanuel concept is God with us. That wasn't just in the stable. You look through the rest of Jesus' life, he continually lived up to that name. He continued to be Emmanuel. He continued to be God with us. One of my favorite, um, of all the miracles that Jesus performed, one of my favorites is found in Matthew chapter 8. We just looked at Matthew chapter 1. If you go a few more pages over to Matthew chapter 8, you find a guy uh, who uh, was, was afflicted with leprosy. And we don't know for sure if it's actual leprosy where his skin was rotting or if it's just some kind of skin disease, some kind of infectious disease. But in the Jewish culture they lived in at the time, if you had a disease like this, you, it wasn't just the pain of dealing with whatever that disease was. You had to deal with the pain of separating yourself from everybody else. You had to completely distance yourself from family, from friends. You didn't want anybody to touch you because you were considered unclean. And anybody that came into contact with you would be unclean. And if you were around people, if you went walking for some reason through a public place, you had to shout at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine having to walk through your daily routine yelling to people what's wrong with you? Can you imagine the humiliation associated with that? Can you imagine this dis the distance and disconnection this guy had felt for who knows how long? From people that he cared about, people that cared about him, and couldn't be close to him, he couldn't hug his kids couldn't hold his wife's hand he comes to Jesus Matthew chapter 8 verse 2 he kneels before him and says Lord if you're willing you can make me clean Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man I am willing he said be clean and immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy now I know I've mentioned this to, to this church family before but I'm going to do it again when you go back to the original ancient Greek language that, that this particular scripture was written in 
And when we see in our English language that he reached out and touched the man, in, in my mind, that, you know, just reaching out and touching somebody, like, I just reach out and boop, just poke somebody, you know? I touched you. I mean, you see little kids doing that, right? Like, I touched you. Or they get real close. I'm not touching you. Maybe I am. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. When, when in the original Greek language, when we have this word touched, that word means to grab hold of, maybe even embrace. And that's the picture that I have when I look at this story. When this man comes to Jesus, who has had no contact, no touching of any kind for who knows how long, and has dealt with the shame associated with that and the, and the distance and the, just the embarrassment of it. And he comes to Jesus and, and he's, he's, it's, a, it's a plea. Jesus, if you're willing, I know you can do this. I know you can do something about it. And Jesus says, I'm willing. And, and it's not Jesus going, I'm willing. Deek, you're healed. And it's not kind of waving his hand from a distance going, all right, be healed. Jesus grabs a hold of him, maybe even hugs him tight. You don't do that with people who have leprosy. Jesus grabs a hold of him and says, I'm willing. Be clean. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. In that moment, Jesus entered into this mess with this man. This situation that he was in that he couldn't do anything about. Jesus didn't see it from a distance and go, mm, that's a shame. Hate that for you. Jesus says, I'll get in it with you. And then I'll cleanse you of it. Why? Because I'm God with us. I'm Emmanuel. You go over the next book from Matthew to the book of Mark. In chapter 2, you find Jesus eating, eating dinner at a guy named Levi's house. And Levi was a tax collector. And people in the Jewish culture of that day hated tax collectors. They were worse than sinners. They were known to be liars and cheats, but they were also collecting taxes, not for Jewish people, but for the Romans who were occupying Jewish land. They hated these guys. The only people that were, I guess, allowed to associate with tax collectors were other sinners the addicts the drunkards the sluts those are the people the people who had all the bad reputations that already made all the mistakes and nobody else would associate with them for all sorts of social reasons those are the people that tax collectors could hang out with Jesus is this Jewish rabbi. He's this religious leader. He's not supposed to associate with people like this. As a matter of fact, he's supposed to stay at a distance as a Jewish rabbi and point out all their mistakes and tell other people, do not be like these people over here. See what they've done and see what their lives are like now? Don't be like that. They've made choices. They've made mistakes. They've brought this on themselves. But look at what Jesus does. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there are many who followed him. This is a group of people who have sinned, who have made destructive choices, who have known the right thing to do and chosen to do something else, however you want to label it. But this is also a group of people who have been judged and who have been condemned and who have been ignored and who have been gossiped about and who have been completely dismissed. And they've either been told 
or they have at least allowed themselves to become convinced that they're just not worth it. That they're just simply no good. And you see in this moment, Jesus eating with them. Sitting at a meal with them. Engaging with them, talking with them, investing in them. It's not Jesus approving their choices and going, oh, it's no big deal that you're doing all these, all these things that you shouldn't be doing. But it's Jesus engaging with them and, and saying, let's, let's talk about this. It's Jesus spending time and connecting with people in spite of their choices and behaviors. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's not God ignoring us. He's not God at a safe distance from us. He's God with us. Go a couple of books further to the book of John. John chapter 11, you find Jesus showing up after a funeral is over with. One of his close friends, a guy named Lazarus, had been sick. and Jesus knew that he was sick, uh, and he shows up after Lazarus is dead. Lazarus had two sisters, and each one of them, when they're talking to Jesus, when he shows up after the funeral, the body's already buried, been buried for four days. He shows up after the fact, and they say, you know, we believe, Jesus, that you have power, that you have the power to heal. If you had showed up when he was sick, you could have healed him. He'd still be alive. And Jesus, you know, his response to him is, I'm the resurrection and the life. I can provide life. And they can't get past the fact that their brother is dead. He didn't have to die. You could have healed him. And so Jesus asks, where's the grave? And they show up at the tomb and he says, let's roll the stone away. And they're like, hold on a second. That body's been dead for four days. That's going to stink. He has him roll the stone away anyway. And he calls out Lazarus by name. And Lazarus comes walking out of this grave. A guy that's been literally dead for four days comes walking out, has life breathed back into his body again, and comes walking out of the grave. Isn't that amazing? Jesus did that. There's one part of the story that I want us to pay special attention to this morning. It's a verse that's known as the, most, as the shortest verse in Scripture. If you grew up going to Bible school... And the teacher said, you need to memorize a Bible verse next week. Everybody wanted Jesus. Let me pick Jesus wept. It's in John eleven thirty five. 35. It's the shortest verse. Look at it. Jesus wept. Those two words carry such power with them. And I'll be honest with you guys. I rediscovered this for myself a couple months ago when we were talking about this in our young adults group. And we were going through this miracle. We were talking about the, the circumstances surrounding this. And we were talking about why do you think it is that Jesus in this moment was crying about Lazarus being dead. I mean, he sees the two sisters crying. He sees other people crying. And, and he chooses to cry. And you, you take a step back from him. You go, wait a minute. He, he knows what he's about to do. He's going to bring the guy back to life. He knows. He, he already kind of hinted at it with Martha. The sister, he, he, already, he already hinted at this is what I'm going to do. He already knows when he's going to the tomb that he's going to roll the stone away. That he's going to bring the guy out. Why is he crying? There's a whole bunch of different theories. Here's what we came up with in our young adults group. Maybe for just a moment, 
Jesus wanted to be in the pain with these folks. Could he relieve it? Absolutely, he was about to. Could he have prevented it? Sure he could have. He had the power to. But in this moment, when all those around him are feeling hurt and despair that they feel like they can't get away from, before Jesus rescues them from it, he connects with them in it. Does that make sense? In this moment, Jesus says, I'm going I'm to be in the pain with you for a minute. I'm going to mourn with you. I want to hurt with you. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's not the God who always prevents hardships. He's not the God who always avoids difficulties. He's a God who walks with us, with us through them. Carries us through. Because he's with us. And folks, this, this is what I want each one of us to know to be true this morning. Two things that I want to make sure that, that you believe this morning. One is that there is a God. I want you to believe that there is a God. Not that there was a God. Not that there might be a God. There is a God. And the second thing that I want you to believe is that our God is with us. That when my life is a mess and I can't figure out what to do and I can't fix it like that leper, that I have a God who is with me and can clean up that mess, will enter into the mess and engage in it with me and clean it up for me. That when I've made hurtful choices and when I'm dealing with the consequences of those choices and all of the guilt that comes with it, that I have a God who is with me in that. Just like those sinners and tax collectors, he engages with me and connects with me right there in it so that he can walk me out of it. That when I have times in my life when I'm hurting and I'm dealing with pain and I don't know how to get away from it, they have a God who chooses to be in it with me. And he doesn't necessarily prevent me from the pain, but he promises to be with me all the way through it to the other side of it. That's the kind of God that we have. We have a God. We have a God who is with us. And, and I want us to believe that to be true. As a matter of fact, that's the, that's the key question that all of us need to answer this morning for ourselves. Do I really believe that God is with me? And I would invite you right now in this moment, write that down in the sermon notes on your bulletin. Take a screenshot of it if you want to, but chew on it for a minute. Do I really believe that God wasn't just with me back there in the manger, but that I have a God who is still Emmanuel, who is still with me. Do I really believe that to be true? Because here's the key thing. Believing that God is with me changes my reality. I'm going to say that again. Believing that God is with me changes my reality. It changes 
what is real in my life. It changes, it, it impacts how I see myself. It impacts how I view my life and my circumstances. It impacts how I view other people and how I treat other people. Based on whether or not I truly believe that God is still with me. Because there's some truths that, that I can accept. There's some things I can accept to be true when I believe that God is with me. And I want to share some of these with you this morning and we'll be done. But one thing that I can know to be true when I choose to believe that God is with me is that I'm not alone. There are some of us in this room, there are some of us online who don't struggle much with loneliness. We're extroverted people. We got lots of friends. We're cool. We're popular. We're, we, we have lots of different connections. We've interacted with lots of different people in our lives. And loneliness is not a struggle for us. Or maybe it is and we just try to pretend it's not. I mean, there's a lot of people in this room. There's a lot of people watching online that know exactly how it feels to be alone. They can be in a room full of crowded people and feel completely alone. I shared earlier this year with our church family that a, a survey of 10,000 Americans last year revealed that 61% of the American population struggles regularly with loneliness. And loneliness, I mean, just that feeling of loneliness, that, that leads to depression and anxiety. It, it leads to people getting into all sorts of different, different kinds of substance abuses. It leads to, to a decrease in physical health. There's all these other consequences that come along with just feeling alone. And people who are struggling with loneliness, they ask questions of themselves, maybe even other people. Do I, do I really have a friend? Do I have... Do I have someone in this world that I can talk to, that I can lean on? Do I, do I feel included or do I feel like everybody's leaving me out? Do I feel necessary to this world? Do I feel like I matter to anyone? I mean, loneliness is a real problem in our, cult, in, in, in our country. It's a real problem in our community. And if that, if that statistic is correct, it's a problem in our church family. And what I want us to know is that if I truly believe that my God came to be with me, that God chose to come into my world to be with me, then I can know no matter what my circumstances, I am not alone. The Old Testament prophet Zephaniah said it this way. Zephaniah 3 and verse 17, the Lord your God is with you, not was with you. He is with you. He's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. He'll quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. And the picture that Zephaniah is trying to paint here is, is of, of a loving parent wrapping their arms around their child, soothing them, singing to them, constantly reassuring them, constantly letting them know, I love you. That's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of God that I have, and I, and, and I need to believe that. I need to know that to be true. That I have a God who wraps his arms around me, who, 
who constantly tells me he loves me, who sings over me, who makes everything right. I'm not alone. He's with me. If I choose to believe that God is with me, I can also know that I'm not defeated. I may feel at times overwhelmed. I may feel beaten down. I may feel completely exhausted. My job may be so stressful and I feel overwhelmed and, and uh, underappreciated. My, you know, just trying to be a parent to my kids can be exhausting sometimes. Trying to be a kid to my parents can be exhausting sometimes. There's all these pressures that we have. We have people at our jobs putting pressure on us to get things done. We have coaches and parents challenging kids to, to be a certain way and to accomplish certain things. We have addictions that we deal with that we, that we constantly battle and, and think that we've beaten and then they come and attack us again. We struggle with resentment and anger. We struggle with, with, with depression and anxiety. We have all these things that constantly battle against us. But here's the thing. We've also got a God who fights for us, who fights with us who goes to battle on our behalf. We've got a God who loves us no matter, no matter what and will not allow us to be completely defeated. We may get beaten up sometimes, but we won't have to be defeated. We don't have to lose. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not completely abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And let's be honest. There are times, maybe, maybe right now, some of you might have walked into this room this morning feeling perplexed, feeling hard-pressed, feeling struck down but you're not destroyed. You're not defeated. You don't have to be. Why? Because Emmanuel, God is with us. He fights with us. He fights for us. He rescues us. I'm not defeated. I can also know that I'm not afraid. Man, there's so much in this world for us to fear right now. So much to be afraid of. We have this COVID thing we're still dealing with. Some of us are scared to death about this new variant that they started talking about the last week or so. We have this weird economy. We have all sorts of shortages where it seems like there's stuff there, but we can't get to it. There's wars and conflicts all across this world. We have police officers brutalizing innocent people. We have angry people attacking innocent police officers. We have riots. We just had another school shooting. Not to mention just the, the fear in our own lives of letting other people down, the fear of failure, the fear of being hurt. The fear of abandonment. There's a lot to be afraid of. In Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, another prophet, Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, 
God speaking through Isaiah tells his people, when you pass through the waters, when you're going through the rivers, they're not going to completely drown you. When you pass through fire, you're not going to be burned. And the key thing about that, if you look at that scripture, is, is that God doesn't say, if you happen to go through the waters, if you happen to pass through the fires, what does he say? When you do, there's going to be problems in your life. There's going to be fire. There's going to be water. There's going to be times when you feel like you're getting burned. There's going to be times when you feel completely swamped and overwhelmed. When those times come, I want you to see what he says in, in Isaiah 43 and verse 1. Do not fear. Y'all say that out loud with me. Do not fear. Now say it with some confidence. Do not fear. Why? Because I've redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are my child. I am with you. I'm not necessarily going to prevent the fire and the water. But you don't have to be scared of it. I got you. I'm with you. You're mine. We'll get through it together. I don't have to be afraid of the things the rest of the world is afraid of. Why? Because Emmanuel. God is with me. Because Jesus came into our world as a defenseless baby in a manger, because he stepped into our messy world and, and met us in our own messes, because he came here to be with me, I can believe and I can know that I am not alone, that I am not defeated, that I'm not afraid. And that is why... Believing that God really wants to be with me completely changes my reality. It changes how I view this world. It changes what I, what I know to be true about myself and about you. Because once I believe that those, that those things are true, that I'm not alone, that I, I'm not defeated, that I'm not afraid, that changes, it changes me. Once I truly believe that, God, that, that I have a God who is always with me, that should move me to want to show other people compassion and grace and understanding and, and acceptance and, and to, to want people to feel included and, and cared about and to want to forgive people and to want to serve people and to want to meet people where they are and do what I can to be a blessing to them. Why? Because that's what he, he did for me. And that is real, and that is true, and that can completely change not just how I feel about myself, not just how I view myself, but how I view my community around me. All because I believe I have a God, not just a God that showed up 2,000 years ago in a stable. I have a God who is with me now. Folks, I, I want desperately. For all of us to believe that. For us to know that to be true. That we have a God who wants to be with us. That we can, that we can get connected to that God who wants to be with us. That when I, when I put my faith in him and I believe the story of Jesus is true. When I, when I 
ask him to enter my heart, to be the Lord of my life. I confess him as the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins and, and walk away from all the choices that I have been making. When I put him on in baptism and say, I'm ready to live a, a brand new life. When I have his spirit living in me because I've gone through that whole process, I've got this connection with God. And I know there's, there might be some people going, okay, but I, how do I feel that? I don't, I don't I can, I can sit next to Drake at a basketball game, and I can see him there, and I can hear his voice, and I can put my hand on him. And I can't do that with God, and you're exactly right. But I have to believe it to be true. And once I've experienced that process, once I've truly given my life to him and allowed him to save me and allowed him to put his spirit in my heart, folks, it's real. You had to experience it to know it, but you can know that it's real. You have God's presence in you. you. You feel it. You sense it. You know it. And it changes everything. And I want that for you. And if you've never experienced that before, today's the day to do that. You can become, you can fully become his child today. You can know what is completely like to have God with you today and if you've experienced that connection before and for whatever reason because because time got away from you because priorities got in the way because this particular choice became more important than your relationship with God whatever it is that caused you to walk away from that connection you can have it back again I have a God who still wants to be with you and we can make that happen this morning in just a minute, we're going to sing a song together. We're going to sing a song that, that comes from Scripture. The words of it come from Scripture. And it describes this, this opportunity that we have. To have a God who wants to be with us, to wrap his arms around us and say, I love you. You're mine. I'm here with you. Yeah, but God, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mess. And my life is a mess, and I, I got all sorts of junk. Nobody wants to be with me. My God says, I do. I love you. And you can experience that connection with him this morning. I, I do want to share this as we close. There's a story at the end of the book of John. After Jesus had, had been crucified and after he rose again, some of his disciples saw him, but there's one of his apostles that didn't see him. His name is Thomas. And you find this description in John chapter 20 of Jesus' other disciples going, hey, Jesus died. Yeah, we saw him crucified, and he died, and, and he was buried, but he rose again. He said he was going to rise again, and he actually rose again, and we've seen him. He's alive. And Thomas says, I don't believe you. I don't want to believe you. And there's all sorts of reasons that Thomas probably felt that way. It'd be hard to believe that somebody actually rose from the grave after what he had seen Jesus go through. It'd be hard to believe that this guy who seemed invincible, who seemed to have all power, could allow this to happen to him. Thomas didn't want to put his faith in something that was going to come crashing down, you know, crashing down on him once again. There's all sorts of reasons that Thomas had, but Thomas is like, I just I don't believe. I'm, I'm hurting still over this loss. I don't want to put my faith in something that may not be true. I don't want to buy into that. Not long after that, Jesus shows up. He comes into the room where all the disciples are, and Thomas is there. 
And he looks at Thomas and, and he says in John chapter 20 and verse 27, <clears throat> put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. All these places where Jesus has been injured, where the nails were as he was on the cross, where the spear went into his side when he died. He says, feel the scars. They're still here. You can touch me. You can feel me. I'm real. And then notice this last sentence that he says to Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. And for all my life, I have heard people talk about this. I've heard sermons about it. I've heard youth ministers talk about it. I've talked about it. And I've, I've envisioned the tone of voice Jesus using here with Thomas, almost scolding, criticizing. Thomas, stop doubting and believe, because that's how I would be. What if? What if? There's a, there's a compassion that Jesus is sharing here. What if Jesus is locking eyes with Thomas in this moment? And saying, Thomas, I know you're scared. I know you're hurting. I don't want that for you anymore. So stop doubting and believe. Because life is better with me. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Not a God who's shaking his finger at you. Not a God who's scolding you and saying, why don't you believe? But a God who is with you and is looking you in the eyes right now and saying, I know you're scared. I know you're hurting. I don't want that for you. Stop doubting and believe. you're not alone and you don't have to be afraid I'm with you can we help you hear that voice this morning can we help you connect with a God who wants to connect with you then feel free to come forward and share that with us right now while together we stand and sing
Chris is going to lead our final thoughts and prayer in just a second. I do want to remind everybody there's details in your bulletin today, or you should have gotten details either on our Facebook page or on our, uh, on our weekly email about how to help with um, the Ridgeview Boys Home Christmas gifts. So I know some of y'all weren't in here when we started worship this morning, so I wanted you to make sure to see the opportunity for you to sign up on that QR code uh, in the bulletin and, and be ready to help us out with that. So I want to remind everybody of that uh, before we're done today. Chris? Marshall, great lesson today. I always appreciate your thoughts. You're a much better preacher than what we thought you were going to be when you first started. So, <laughs> We are blessed. It's amazing how many guests we get that come through and will grab us after service and go, do you understand how blessed you are? Yeah, we do. I give him grief, but, man, we love him. He does such a good job. It's fun to watch people grow up and, and kind of step in and, and, and serve uh, uh, this congregation. Dawson, great job this morning, man. It's fun to watch these guys because you, you remember when they were born and they're just these little babies. They're these little babies. And then they're up here in front of us leading our thoughts and prayers. And we just, it's so much fun to enjoy, to just love that. Um, and it's not just the young men. We have a young lady who uh, took upon herself this past year to, uh, to put together a, a little free food pantry. And uh, Connie and I were here yesterday briefly and noticed that it was, it was running low. And I'm sure Lori's going to jump in and send out emails and remind people. But Emily Glenn took on herself this last year and, and, and was really impressed with how she formulated the plan and how she shared it with us and what she wanted to do. And uh, it's used a lot. It's empty right now, folks. So um, we need to stock this thing. And so uh, uh, if you have the ability, uh, bring some, bring some uh, food goods that can go out into that, out into that box. Because so, especially this time of year, there are a lot of people in need. Uh, but we don't want to do it to be just this time of year. So keep that in your mind. Um, it was funny, this morning I got a text that said, hey, can you make an announcement about the ladies' Christmas event? And I said, sure. And it was a couple, three sentences. All right, not a problem. Well, I walk in and I get a paragraph and a half. Um, and it's amazing the difference between how men do details and how women do details, right? I'll have a conversation with somebody, and Connie will ask me, so did you ask this? No. Did you ask that? No. No. We're men. We don't think about details. But the ladies do. Thank goodness. Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble. Um, ladies' Christmas event. It says, join us after lunch next Sunday from 1.30 to 3.30 here at the building. It says, bring your favorite treats to share. We'll be enjoying some of the treats and packaging some up for the women's shelter and saving grace. We'll also be doing. Be go, we'll also go shopping together for stocking stuffers and gifts to bless those groups as well. See Kelly McSpadden or Dana Morton if you have any questions. So um, remember that. That's also there's some information about that in your bulletin as well. But we wanted to uh, to plug that as well. If you've noticed in the bulletin, the giving um, uh, is. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just astounded by our, our family here. You guys are so generous and and uh, we don't want to we don't want to stop that. So thank you 
for supporting us the way you have, for supporting uh, the direction that we're trying to go as a family. So today we have another opportunity, as we do every Sunday, for you to give. So there's text to give. There's a basket outside that you can drop if you want to do that. Um, we have direct uh, a, a direct withdrawal. I think they call it an ACH from your bank account. Any of those things that work best for you, um, we would love for you to be a, a part of that. So remember that. All right. Well, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for, for such a wonderful morning. We, we thank you for the time we have here together as family uh, to sing praises to you, and to listen to your word. And we pray that what we've done here this morning is pleasing to you. Um, we thank you so much for the love that you've shown us through your son. Uh, and Lord, this time of year, we want to capitalize on what the world does from a standpoint of their willingness to talk about you. So we ask that you give us opportunities this week. Put them in front of us. Let us, let us have an opportunity to share you with those around us. And I pray that you give us the courage to take those opportunities and capitalize on that, Lord. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the time we have. And we ask that you be with us this week as we, uh, as we go out uh, and have to walk in this world. Uh, we pray that you give us the strength uh, to stand up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand as we close. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For he is good. His love endures forever. His love will reign forever. Oh, uh-huh.